Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Ancient Rossi. Hello and welcome to another Off Track with Ancient Rossi. Everybody seems really excited for this, but this is good. Everyone's got a smile on their face, even Alex, which is like a double smile for a normal person. And then it went away. And then it went back to kind of furrowed brow and straight lined. You can can kind Uh, of see Hinch in the blur that is his face there. Sure. Yeah. It's vaguely recognizable. <laughs> so is it all blurry? I think it gets worse every week. Okay, hold on, hold on. I want to touch on one of the funniest tweets that I saw this weekend. So on the practice show Saturday morning, Saturday morning practice, yeah, practice two. Uh, I was down in the pits for NBC rather than up in the booth, just uh, mixing it up a little, and they're like, "Hey." My producer goes, "Hey, Alex seemed to have a pretty good, uh, pretty good session. Why don't you go? Why don't you go talk to him?" I was like, "All right." So I walked over to Alex. He just got out of the car. <laughs> Is this when you when you asked him like three questions in a row? <laughs> I did. It was three I questions. Him, I asked him two and a half questions in one go, and then when I put the microphone up to him, there was what in the moment felt like an extraordinarily long pause <laughs> before he answered. And in my head, I was convinced it was because he had some smart-ass reply that he was debating internally, like, do I say this on camera? Do I not say this on camera? And then he got into the answer, and it was fine. Yeah, we and, had a lot of comments on that. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll, we'll let Alex explain what happened. But the tweet that I loved the best was something along the lines of, like, Alex isn't used to <laughs> talking to james like with that clear picture or like without <laughs> without a delay <laughs> yeah. so, so my question is becky replied to that laughing did you do that from her account by mistake again <laughs> oh whatever one time so what happened guys um for those of you that didn't watch the broadcast um which wasn't very I'm many of you on- because because we had a massive amount of TV ratings, the highest non-Indy 500 IndyCar race since 2011, in a decade. which is amazing. So good job, NBC. It clearly was because James is in the booth. So thank you, James. Um, and that's a great thing for our sport. But anyways, um, yes, James asked me all of these questions at once. And they, they weren't hard questions. They were just questions that I had answers to. And as I tried to open my mouth to form an answer my brain answered all of them 
And so I desperately couldn't think of any word at all. <laughs> and I just looked at James with kind of terror in my eyes. And then he kind of like tried to smile, but he didn't know what was going on. And then all I could think of was sorry. And so then once I said sorry, I got like the 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 block the block in my mind was out and then I could answer the question. The but, word damn had broken yes, yes. and you could finally start speaking. Yeah, we got I felt, uh we I got Scott so Jeffrey. bad. Sorry. I felt so bad that I thought that maybe he thought I was being mean or not trying to be professional or something and I truly just couldn't think of a word. So Yeah, anyway. we had uh Scott Jeffries uh, did Rossi need rebooted? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think as so. in the first few moments were priceless. Gary Wood, who listens to every episode since the beginning, Hinch is clearly saving his non pixelated image for the TV screen. <laughs> Chad Bunch is not used, Alexander Rossi is not used to seeing Hinchtown without a delayed internet connection. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had some good so ones. Good. Those are all good. So good. All are true, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the best, the best was. I ended up running into you like shortly after that, and you came up to me you're like, "I'm sorry, man." You're like, you're "Like, I, my brain froze," and your line was so funny. You said, "I could not think of a single word in any language to speak at that moment." <laughs> and what's crazy is I only know the one language. <laughs> yeah, but you could have thrown in like a a gracias or like bonjour. I don't know. You could have had yeah. some word, but I love how you specified that there was no other language that any words were uh -uh. coming. Either. Yeah. Tough look. Tough look. Oh man. It was, it so, was suboptimal. Um, suboptimal. It was suboptimal. So a lot of people watched on TV, which is great. A lot of people were there. Can we talk I, about the crowd? Packed. Yeah. Wow. Um, great. Very annoying. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> really good for the sport Alex really bad crowd yeah yeah um the only driver who's upset that indycar is getting more popular <laughs> no that is not that is not remotely true i just think here's and we've talked about this before james and and yes. there are there are certain certain fans that are wonderful and amazing and that's, more that's than most certain, of them most yeah. fans and then there are certain fans that I don't think they come to every race or whatever, but they they spend the extra money and they get a, a paddock pass. And with that comes a huge amount of access, which IndyCar prides itself on. And we, we try and differentiate ourselves from other series by providing that access. But that access is not an all-access at all times pass to anything that they want in the exact moment that they want it. Like we had we had several people and this just wasn't me that had to deal with it. Like there were three people that Andretti had to forcibly remove from Roma's truck. They walked past the things, past the like stanchions, oh, really? past the, past yeah, the no cars, way. all the way to the back of the truck and were chasing him into his truck to get an was, autograph. Okay, I was looking for a bathroom. And it's just, <laughs> it's like, guys, I mean, we will sign yeah. if we have time. We won't if we don't. But ultimately, you cannot then just think that you're obligated and entitled to then go into a pretty much private property space. Um, so that that does get frustrating. But there, that's, that's uh, few and far that, between, ultimately. For sure. For sure. Like I said, it was majority overwhelmingly positive experiences with the fans in IndyCar. But yeah, every once in a while. And like, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Sometimes there's some people that maybe have imbibed a little bit, enjoying themselves in the in the Florida heat, and might not 
have behaved in a way that they would normally behave, if that makes sense. But there was so there's Him. one thing. No, there's, see, every <laughs> every like a couple people came up to me like, "Oh, you're getting hammered." I was like, "It's 90 degrees. I've had like nine bottles of water. I don't even. I take. I couldn't have a beer right now if I wanted to have. That a is beer. nine more bottles of water than I had in the race. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, the one thing that I always hated, um, more like more than anything, like there was there was there was you know times when things would annoy you more than other times or whatever if you were at, you know in a rush or in a bad mood or whatever whatever but you kind of kind of deal with it. The one thing that no matter what I really really did not tolerate was like people grabbing at you, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. coming up from behind you, like grabbing your arm to like turn you around for a photo or something. It was my single biggest pet peeve, um, you know, as a driver walking through a paddock, whatever. So there, so this kind of played into this one situation that involved a friend of ours. That was kind of funny. So Buskill Brian, big, big fan of the show, and we're a big fan of his, <laughs> um, works with Joseph Newgarden. And uh, Joseph was Ooh, walking out geez. to the track. This is great. And <laughs> he was walking out to the track, and he was walking side by side with another driver. I forget who it was. Maybe he was Scott. Um, maybe it was Will, but they were kind of walking up that pathway in between the grandstands where the cars get, you know, pulled by the tuggers to pull kind of to pit lane. And this fan ran up between the two of them, grabbed both of their arms to like half spin them around. So they, she could jump in for a photo. Now they were all walking and, and Brian was on the camera walking behind them. And so this woman grabbed them and then just sort of stopped. So Brian had to like sidestep to the left to avoid just walking into the now the three of them. But it was right as a car was coming by and he, st- he stepped in front of the car and it like hit his foot and knocked him over and he landed on the side pot of the car as he was getting pulled into Billy. No. No. Yeah. So it was like, it was like not awesome situation all prompted by a fan being a little handsy. That is like, by the way, one of my like worst fears when you're out on the grid is what if I just fell and like broke a nose wing or like broke something on a car like right before Dude, a race? It's, it's always my biggest fear at the 500 because there's so <laughs> many people there. And like, again, you know, the race starts early enough that most people shouldn't be drunk yet. But you all it takes is just one guy to pull push someone or take a step back while trying to take a photo and a guy's walking behind him and it knocks him over and he steps on a wing. Like that is always the fact that we don't put the little stanchions around the cars on the grid. Like you do on a formula one grid. The fact that we don't do that at Indy is, is baffling to me. Well, this actually weirdly plays into something I saw, um, the football player Buddha Baker. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh, Arizona football. He lives in Arizona. He sent out uh, two tweets yesterday telling people to stop trying to come to his house because he had a fan like jump over his gate and scare the crap out of his sister. And he was basically saying like, had that been me, I'd have pulled a gun on you. And it's like, yeah, you really got to know the limits. <laughs> like, Yeah. That's, that's pretty that's way more. That's, that's way more. That's right. But it's just example, Texas, like, Texas, the concealed carry laws are pretty loose. So I might, it's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> you could have a holster on your fire suit. <laughs> Some guys are like, can you stitch in a pocket for my? Hey, can I get a, like, never mind. Can you stitch never in mind. a holster? Yeah, that would be <laughs> that'd be interesting. It would turn some heads. Um, it sure would. So, I mean, you should just get a an old fashioned like belt yes. with like two revolvers just to put around your suit like when you're it. walking up to I the like grid. It. Yeah. Um, I mean, they give you guns if you win, right? 
Exactly. Win. They sure it's encouraged. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of talking about, you know, pre-grids and the walks to the grid and things that start before the race. So Sunday, we yeah. had a cluster you-know-what um, for the first race of the year. So basically, before every race, we do driver introductions of some sort, whether that's on the start-finish straight or in some place where there's a bunch of fans. Um, and then from that point, most of the time, you kind of get in a pickup truck or a Honda S2000 if you're at Barber or or Mid-Ohio, and you kind of do a quick lap around the track, get to wave to the fans, get to kind of like point at the people that are wearing your shirts or scream your name or whatever. And it's kind of a cool moment for the drivers to individually connect with the fans. Well, at St. Pete, someone got the brilliant idea to put us on a float that was being pulled by like a semi. Um, now, yeah. isn't this what they do in F1? Doesn't this, F1 do that this, or used to? This or? is what they do in F1 some, sometimes, yes. Right. And it's like massively hated in Formula One by both fans and drivers. Massively hated, yes. So right. Yeah, because it kind of robs you of all the experiences. Correct. Exactly. Drivers yeah. always talk to each other right. and ignore the so, fans, so, that's, so that's, you don't enjoy it. That's right. what I thought was kind of the first disappointing thing about it was you kind of pull off once everyone, all 26 of us and a couple important people, influential people um, are on there, some some interview people. And um, the fans kind of see this big thing coming by and they don't even know how to react because usually like they can have a kind of a personal, if you will, connection with someone because it's like, hey, Alex or hey, Connor or James or whatever. And you can be like, you can wave back and you can give them a thumbs up or point at them or whatever. And there's that there's that thing where when it's 26 of you, it's like, I oh, there's all the drivers who are not looking at us because they're all talking to each other and not caring. And it's like, but also the fans didn't really care either because they didn't even know who to yell at type thing. So that was that was kind of problem number one I had. Yes, James. Oh, sorry. No, you carry on to problem number two. Problem number two was whoever came up with the schedule for this said float around the track. Um, severely miscalculated how long it would take, I think, to get <laughs> a semi truck around the streets of St. Petersburg. And so, this by touches the, into my question, yeah, yeah. By the time we all got back, we were told, Oh, the anthem's in th three minutes. And usually, after you do your driver introductions, like there's kind of a little bit of a rush because you want to find a porta potty or you want to find a restroom or something and kind of take a leak before it's your last opportunity to get in the car. and he goes to your engineer and he's like, okay, well, this is what I saw in terms of people's downforce levels or whatever. And you kind of have that last minute conversation. And there's like a six to seven minute window where you can kind of just get your thoughts together, make sure all your gear and everything is where it needs to be. And then you line up for the anthem and you do the anthem. And then it's just a very normal process to go about getting ready to get in the car for the race. Well, this turned into a sprint yeah. as we were running to get to our cars and i was i mean i was 13th wasn't far up but also wasn't in the back i can't even imagine the people that had to go another six rows behind me through all the people that are there with no one kind of clearing a path for anyone and you're trying to push and shove your way through well yeah because you're especially at a point when everybody's supposed to be standing still and like at attention because you're running through during the anthem so like, nobody's only, moving out so not way. only did and i was 13th and i i ran and rushed and didn't pee I missed the invocation. I missed the anthem. I literally ran, had to get my stuff, was doing 
all the last minute stuff as the anthem was going on and had to like rush to get in the car and it was a disaster so and here's how a lot to be desired here's how oblivious i was i I was at alex's car i'm like all right i got my advice ready i'm gonna give it to him and i see him and his dad's talking to him first i'm hanging back i'm like i don't want to interrupt that and i just walk up and he just goes make it quick and I was just like, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> like, I don't want to give it now. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was, I, I was panicking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like, like that he still practice. gave you the option. He wasn't just saying F- off. He no, said, it was it like, quick. yeah, but I was just like, yeah, okay, he's not in the mood for funny. I'm <laughs> You're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna go die now. <laughs> so then, yeah. and then to Don't get in, suck, make it even awesome. worse, Alex, you didn't you didn't have water during the race, right? No. Can we talk about that, dude? Yeah, sure. They just forgot the hose, which is pretty important. You know, for, is that what it was? Yeah, it, it, it like wasn't a system malfunction. Or... No, they just didn't bring the human air part that connects my helmet to the car. So that's like, nice. I was sitting in your pit box because I, I waited with Kelly until at least the first pit. And God, it was I was miserably hot. Like, I needed water in the pit. And I was just thinking, like, oh, God, he's out there without water right now. <laughs> like, that was, yeah. Yeah, I don't that, know how you did that. It came up on the broadcast. And I, like, immediately just, my heart bled for you, man, because of all the races to lose water, the super hot, humid streets of Florida, first race of the year, bumpy, physical street circuit, suboptimal. I mean, ultimately, it was not that bad because I didn't, you know, have to work that hard to finish twentieth. Do you know what's amazing is I is I crashed last year, mm, like yeah. crashed was stuck. No. Well, yeah, kind of. Was, oh yeah, sorry, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Was stuck in stuck in a tire wall because the car couldn't engage reverse, and had to pit, had to get a new front wing, had to go through all that. I somehow finished th- the same. <laughs> is what I did this year. Well, do you want to get into because it was a ballsy sure. call to stay out, right? What were you? What What did you need to make that work? Okay, so we started thirteenth. Obviously, we were a little bit out of position. Um, we started on the black tire. There was a concern going into the race that the the red softer tire wasn't going to last what it had in the past because in the past it was a pretty easy two stop race on fuel. With very little tire deg, um, there were some hints that the deg was going to be more this year. So we started on blacks to kind of a do something a bit different, but b also keep our options open in case either the reds were terrible and we could do a very short stint in the middle, or the reds actually turned out to be pretty good, and the people that started on them could kind of go out and prove that to us, type of thing. So um, we got to lap. What was it, James? Thirty-ish, thirty-one? No, twenty-eight before the, before the yellow. Yellow? Yeah, yeah. It was like mid mid twenties. Mid twenties. And it was kind of a critical decision point for us because we were on the blacks and we didn't really want to stop until kind of lap thirty-five-ish to to keep a two-stop in play. And so the yellow came, and it was a pretty like it was a fast corner, but it wasn't that big of an impact. I was right behind. Yeah. When it yeah. happened. Yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. And so we we didn't really think it was going to be a, a super big deal. We just kind of just get the car out of the way, sweep up any debris and, and kind of carry on. And it did, turned into a, a pretty long yellow. Yeah, there which, was damage to the wall, right? Yes. Which unfortunately we decided to stay out um at the time because we thought that with 
the yellow and with us being on the black tire, we could make this a two-stop race um, based on what we were seeing from Colton and his tire deg that he had in the first stint. And we just felt confident that, that we can make it a two-stop. And so we, we, we made that decision and um, stayed out to extend our, 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 that first stint to kind of that 36, 37 lap um, window time to pit type thing. And the yellow just kept going on and on and on. And what that did is it allowed the people that start on reds and bailed early or the people that took that yellow to pit, it allowed them to also kind of switch to a two-stop with some fuel savings. Um, it would have come back to us. There was a period where it could have come back to us and we were half expecting another yellow. You know, I think this is one of the yeah. fewest, fewest uh, incidents. Fewest thing. number yeah. of, yeah, of number of full course cautions. It was because it was so long, the lap number was, you know, higher, but right. fewest number of cautions. So I think that surprised us. So ultimately it was just, we made a decision. It could have played out really nicely because there was a, there was a chance that we'd be the only car on a two stopper, which had it worked out that way. We probably would have won the race. Um, yeah. It uh, didn't. And we it was a ballsy, it was a ballsy call, and that's why it was a ballsy call. Well, yeah, the downside of it was we could have probably finished tenth ish, yeah, in the eighth to eleventh range, but we had some other issues um, in pit lane, which is, you know, life, and we finished it's racing. So here we are on Tuesday. Well, wait, Thursday, talking about it. So. At the front of the field, <clears throat> Scotty McLaughlin won his first race. Unbelievable. Big congrats to old Scotty Mac. Uh, it was a hell of a drive, man. It was a hell of a drive. I, 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 have you watched the race back? You don't really watch the races back, do you? Absolutely not. No. So, <laughs> so um, And we love Scott. The, oh, yeah. Love Scott. Great. Big Scott fan. Uh, started from pole. First pole, which amazing, to, uh, to unseat Will Power on his last lap, the king of qualifying at St. Petersburg. He's got nine poles himself, which is equal to every other driver's combined <laughs> yeah. pole that's ever raced at St. Pete. Uh, but no one else has two. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's he's in first with nine, and then everybody else is tied at, at second with one. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Uh, so huge, I mean, huge, in the same car to, to beat him in the same team. Pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, clean start. Colton had a really good run around the outside of turn one, but couldn't quite make it stick. On that first stint, man, he made his Reds last better than any of the other guys in the top 10, maybe the exception of Marcus Erickson, who had a really good start, made up some spots, and was actually really closing up well. Um, I'll, you know, we'll skip through. Like, If you watch the race, you watch the race. But the one thing I really want to talk about is the last sequence of stops. Um, Pelot through the first cycle had, had jumped a bunch of guys. The 10 crew deserves a huge amount of credit in pit lane for getting Alex up into a, a, what was cool. <laughs> what was effectively second of the race. It was, you know, 13th at the time or whatever with the strategies playing out, but huge credit to those guys. And then Alex, you know, stayed with Scott for, uh, for that whole middle stint and was actually able to go one lap longer um, than the three car, for those final stops. And I really thought, I mean, Alex, you know, here, St. Pete, the overcut is generally going to be a better strategy if you're within a second of the car in front, right? So wait, can you explain well, that the difference between an overcut and an undercut when it comes to pit stops? Right. So there are kind of three ways pit stops can happen between two cars. Easiest one is you guys pit together on the same lap. 
if you're doing what's called an overcut, the one car will stay out a lap longer on fuel. The idea being as the car that pit is getting up to speed on its cold tires, you're doing a faster lap on already hot tires. You come in and do your stop the next lap and you should have closed that gap and hopefully, you know, passed them. There's no free lunch. You then have to keep the car that's got now one lap of heat in their tires behind you as you've got cold tires, but track position is really important. The undercut is the flip side of that. If the tires uh, are falling off really badly, you pit a lap earlier, come out with fresh rubber, and your out lap is actually better than the other car's in lap, and you can swap positions. So Pelot is doing the overcut, which is traditionally an effective strategy here. But man, Scotty Mack came out in front of him with enough of a gap to hold him back. I can only assume that Scott's in lap was phenomenal. I mean, it had to have just been an incredible in lap in order to maintain that kind of gap. His out lap had to have been amazing to not let Pelot's fast lap on hot tires coming in lead to a switch. And then whatever happened in the pits themselves. But literally, Scotty did everything he had to do. The start was perfect. The restart, you know, he stayed out of trouble back in traffic there. He didn't lose his cool when Will was catching him on the black tires in the first in. He didn't lose his cool when he was running mid-pack as the strategies played out. He didn't lose his cool with two laps to go when they caught a couple lapped cars and really closed the gap, one of them being Pelot's teammate. So there's a little bit of conspiracy there. Went from two and a half second gap to a half second gap and uh, and pulled it off. Brilliant win. First of many, I'm sure. Penske's like 11th at St. Pete. Uh, very, 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 very cool result. Well, I guess it's, almost, it's even- almost like you like paid attention to the race or something. Because this <laughs> Man, is it's all, amazing this is how much you learn. Yeah. It's amazing how much you learn. And then the other guy I want to give some props to, well, we'll give props to Scott Dixon because he was the first of the three stoppers uh, with his specific tire strategy. And unbelievably quick. And like, yeah, just the way it played out, it wasn't his day, but man, he proved why he's still Scott Dixon. Um, And the the Ganassi organization overall, because they did not unload particularly quick on Friday. They really struggled in practice one. They were all outside the top 15 little better practice too, little better in qualifying. They started like eighth, ninth, tenth, or seventh, eighth, tenth, something like that. Um, Jimmy got, you know, held up and 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 whatever. But uh they and then the race, Polo was wicked fast, Scott was wicked fast. And guys, Marcus Erickson was wicked fast. He did an incredible job in the first in on the Reds, was passing guys as they started falling off. Uh, and then where his day came undone was during that yellow flag pit stop. He got done for a uh, unsafe release penalty at some contact in pit lane between Grosjean and uh, Ray Hall. He ended up having to serve that penalty, went all the way to the back, 20-something, and then raced his way back up to P9, which on a day when a lot of good cars didn't qualify well and they made very little progress over the entire race, he had one stint less than those guys and got his way back up into a top 10, only one or two spots behind Scott. So that was a really, really good drive for Marcus as well. It must be said. So last thing I'll bring up about the race, is there anything to uh, Powers' complaints about the blue flag rules? Or no, uh, do you think ridiculous. Jimmy was totally fine to still fight to try to get back no, on the lead? Lap? We are the only series. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that I've said it. To, I've said it many times before. We are the only series on the planet that does not have command blue flags when the leader is coming behind you. And there's a reason for it. 
because on ovals you want to be able to fight for your lap because mm -hmm. there's a potential that on an oval well at least in the past on the ovals if you had an issue you could at least stay on the lead lap if the yellow came you could then kind of catch back up and you'd have a shot to kind of go back through the field but if you lost the lap the odds of getting your lap back are are few and far between and we mm -hmm. go to some very short oval races right iowa st louis where with 26 cars right if there's just a second gap between the cards the leader is going to be on the kind of last place car pretty quickly and that car could still be pretty good right yeah but there's no reason why we can't have separate blue flag rules for road courses and street courses as we do on ovals and the yeah, argument that, that we always hear back is oh well you know, we want to give them a chance if they've had a rough start to the race and had to change the front wing. We want to give them a chance to be able to still be in the race. It's like on a road course in IndyCar, if you break your front wing on the first lap, you are not going to then just drive your way through the field. It's not. That's not how. Mm -hmm. It's not how the sport works anymore, and it's very frustrating. And I can imagine why Will was so frustrated, um, because ultimately it's it's unfair it's unfair that you can have a car that is not at all involved in the race potentially impact you know the the end result of, of a leader um for, so, for no so good what reason. do we want to see do we want to see there needs to be command like, blue flags and road street courses period and within, within okay but within what time gap like one second like if you get to within a second of the of the lap car if the leader gets to within a second of a lap sure. car he gets the command blue yeah and you get one lap to make the make the pass I mean, happen. Honestly, kind of in thing. F1, it's it's like I think it's two or it's three. It's like three corners. Yeah, no, it's no. two or three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's it? like stations, oh, isn't okay. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, move like it's it's not. You're not. What are you trying to do? This is not helping your day. Like I don't understand why we think it's okay. Like there's no just cause for it except on an oval. Yeah, because like if as long as I guess the I guess the the only time that you can really make an argument is that if there are, if a yellow comes out that's been recent enough after a pit stop where the pits aren't you're not doing a pit cycle because during a pit cycle you can get a lap back right so even if you lose a lap you can get it back if there's a yellow and then you're at the tail end of the same line you're at anyway so it's no big deal the difference is if there's a yellow after you know shortly after. A pit cycle you're not going to pit you're going to be still trapped behind those leaders and you're not going to be racing the cars that you're racing for position yeah that makes sense yeah sometimes then, yeah. sometimes it's not your day like i don't care you're not going to then win the race like we're not taking anything away from you like it's just it's i don't disagree i don't disagree you shouldn't have you know lap it, cars playing that big a role in the outcome a of a variable race. that you have to then worry about we have enough variables in this series as a lead car that could potentially have your day flipped upside down. Like why, why add another one? Like, it's just so unnecessary. I guess I could understand. And I, I first of all, I want to say completely agree because I'm limited in all knowledge on any of this, but I Most guess things. I could, I could understand like a caveat being you can fight if you're holding off the leader, if you're still in the lead lap, but once you're passed by the leader, like it was Jimmy was holding that oh, third place, no. right? No, no, this is this is why the rule developed the way that it did, okay. right? Because it was seemed unfit. No, it's a good question, though. It's a good point, right? You think once you're lapped down officially because the leader has passed you, then yeah, you should just let everybody else by. The the reason it developed the way it did was the the leader then has to fight 
And oh, we've seen and how hard it is sometimes. Yeah. Everyone else just gets a free pass. Got so if it, it takes the leader four laps to pass this car and second place is closed up from five seconds to one second, but then as soon as second place gets there, he just drives by, that's not fair either. So that's why the rule is you've got to be a lap down to every single car. But that's tough because by the time you're at the 10th place car, if you're running, you know, 16th or whatever, but a lap down, there's probably not that big a speed differential between you guys. But for whatever reason, your day is not going well. And, you know, it's it's tough to pass in this series. And then especially with more cars coming. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something to be addressed. I don't know if they'd be willing to make that change after the season started, though. No, no, but I that's, feel like that's not the that's not the point. We bring it up. We have these meetings every off season, and it yeah. is always brought up as a as a as a problem and a suggestion, and yet they're still not. It's not addressed, and that's it's yeah. frustrating for us because again, we're not asking for anything that's going to impact the show. We're not asking like when I'm when I'm in that position, I literally just pull over. Because like right. I'm not uh, why yeah, so that was going to be my next question. Is there any responsibility on Jimmy Johnson for not doing that? Was he helping out his teammate or no? Because technically, yeah. by the rule book, he has every right in the world by the rule book to do that. But like from but a so sporting, would you, you don't do it, right? I just do it because I know I know how this sport works, and you try and make as many friends on the racetrack as possible and keep your enemies down as much as possible because it's just. If I'm in 22nd because I had an issue on lap one, the last thing I need to do is be pissing people off. Like, it's just not, it's not totally fair. It's not someday, someday that guy's going to have a problem on lap one. Right. right. You might be you, up front. Yeah. yeah. So just, you got to make those decisions, got to make those calls as, as a driver. And I don't know. People don't. You know. I, all right. Whatever. It's, well, this I, I mean, it, it goes back, it goes all the way back to what I dealt with at Indy with, with Oriole. Now, now, in this Do we still have to bleep his name from last week or no? (laughs) I'm kidding. I uh hold on, I I don't I don't want to necessarily throw Jimmy under the bus here and say that he wasn't being respectful. For all we know, he was being ordered by his team to not let Scott go by. Then he could have or no, it was Will, right? It was Will to go by. Oh, you're talking about I was talking about earlier. Oh, that's oh, that okay. I I forgot that's who Will was trying to pass. I don't think I made it that clear. Because yeah, it was Will Will complained and said that he thought jokingly, oh, was Jimmy not racing for third place? Like because he was acting (laughs) like it. Oh, but yeah, but still that was at the end of the race, though, right? That was the last stint he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So again, Will was catching that group, you know, pretty quickly. Um there's a good chance the team was like, we don't want him to get up to the back of Pelot. Yeah. So in that particular scenario, there's, there's, there's a very good chance there were some orders coming down and you know, that's part of it. It's also like, like Ryan helping Alex out in 16 at the 500, right? Like not, not to the same extent. It's not at the detriment of other people. So yeah, that was a bad example. That was a bad example. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what you're known for. (laughs) Your bad examples. Uh, all right. Well, we don't have too much time, but uh, I mean, after the race sounded fun, there was the big party for Bourdais. Scotty burned his butt and did a shoey. I flew home. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Well, actually, Hinge, can I talk about the weird thing that happened to me at dinner? You got an invite to go to dinner? Yeah, first of all, shocking. And it was afterwards I realized, (laughs) oh, that was like our first double date. Uh, No, but so I sit down. uh, James and and Becky were at dinner and we showed up and I sit down and the waiter comes. and He's like, oh, uh, Tim, would you like a gin and tonic as well? I was like, oh, that's weird. He knew my name, but maybe like they asked who was here and James told him. I was like a little odd, but didn't clock it as too weird. And then he comes back and he brings a drink and he's like, all right, Mr. Durham, what else would you like? And I was like, okay, what's going on here? How does this, because like, I very rarely get recognized at racetracks because of off track. I have never been recognized off track because of, because of off track. So this guy is like a big fan of the show. And he was like, yeah, I follow you. I think you're funny. He like recognized me at dinner. It was pretty cool. Like He was a really nice guy. We had, we had great service. But I had never had that happen before. Steven, terrific, uh, <laughs> terrific guy. Took very good care of us. Uh, Followed him on Twitter, yeah. Are you not going to tell us what restaurant it is, guys? Oh, it's, it was Grazzi's, the oh. Italian joint right across the street from the track. Of course. Yeah. Kind of a staple Sunday night, Sunday night style. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great. Tim's flirting with fame here, and uh, he's loving every minute of it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the drink, you know. Guys, so you enjoyed the drink. You enjoyed. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just. I'm. I'm kind of half listening, but I'm also scrolling and seeing what moose I got. So that's. It's an exciting oh, time was, right now. The mooses are. I getting was going to ask if we're willing to talk about this. Yes. I don't know if we if we can. Well, you have to at least disclose that you have invested in it, right? This is not a stock. It's okay, a but it's a it's, it's a Bitcoin. But like, okay, but you you can't. Okay. I have people not to up the I'm, value of something. If you I'm not, from it. I'm okay. literally no, I'm talking saying, about, you gotta be careful. I'm just being, okay. So I am not invested in this. Me Alex has, has some meta meese. So I don't know if anyone's ever heard of meta moose. Mooses. Moose. 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 I, I you not know the plural moose. of moose Canadian. Moose. It was a joke. Okay. Meese. Just making um, sure. It's so, <laughs> plural of goose is geese. Also Canadian. <laughs> Uh, so Alex and some of our friends, some of our other friends got into the MetaMoose world and up to today, has it gone well today? Cause up to today, it's been a complete show. 
Um, it's had its it's had its struggles, but today <laughs> is the un- today is the unveiling of the moose. Um, how many how many moose did you get? Well, I have I have two, but there's two. five in my wallet because some of my friends are incompetent, so I had to buy them moose. Uh, but anyways, um, it is an it is an NFT. It's a very exciting NFT because it is the first one that kind of uses 3D art. Um, and the designers kind of worked on everything from Lion King to Star Wars, etc. Um, so it's some big name, uh, um, what's it called? Artists. Artists. So that is cool. Um, there were some issues kind of on the launch, but the community, the, the community is kind of crazy in the sense that people who decided to kind of try and flip their moose NFT early, um, and for a lower price, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but they kind of got spooked and they wanted to get out for whatever money they could recover. The community over the past couple of weeks has actually gone and bought all of those underpriced moose and brought the floor price up um, higher than it was at the launch. And now that everyone's individual moose are getting unveiled, because when you first buy the moose, it comes in kind of a, a box. Um, it's an exciting day because A, you get your piece of art that you purchased unveiled and you get to see what you have and potentially it could have a lot of value to it so 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 how it works is you you purchase like essentially a number right they yes. minted a certain number of them and yes. you purchase number 827 or something sure and you get a blank box until the unveil right so you have no idea if your moose is going to be cinderella themed or darth vader themed right. or whatever correct we're all the we're all like I guess when they got launched, were they all the same price or yes. was it? Yep. Okay. They're, so they're all the same price. It's completely random. If you get a legendary one, um, what, what does that mean? Just a rare. It's like Pokemon cards. It's digital Pokemon cards, man. So like there's going to okay, be so ones are there multiples. There are multiples of certain ones. Negative. And then nope, they're all individual. So then what, what makes it rare? Wouldn't they all be equally as rare? Well, no, because some are, are, are the art is to kind of a different level. Um, Got it. Okay, so they're all unique. They're all unique, yes. But one might just be more complex or and yes, interesting. Yes, correct. Okay. Yep. But you don't know, so you kind of just luck into getting a legendary one. Correct. Yes. Like, I want to make fun of this so badly, but I've lost so much money in the stock market recently. It's like, man, if they're making Guys, money, like, go no, for so it. No, here's, so here's, <laughs> here's the thing, and I had to explain it to Tim's accountant, Bobby. Um. <laughs> He's like, don't oh, love, don't love that sense. He, he's like, he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, why, why did you, why would you buy something fake? It's like, dude, this has nothing to do with it being fake or real or you being able to get your hands on it or what. This Bobby literally texts me at this very second. That's creepy. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah. What the hell, um, Bobby? Not, not Tim. <laughs> oh, so, he's just, he's just telling us how Tim's stock prices are sinking. Oh, <laughs> Lost him more money. LOL. So, so here's the thing. You have the opportunity to get in at kind of a ground level on something for a certain amount of price. Okay. Well, just because some people out there might be ambitious enough or devoted enough to this particular project to pay you more money than you bought it for doesn't mean that you're dumb for buying it. Just because it it doesn't make sense to you to have a piece of virtual art, it doesn't. It honestly doesn't make sense to me. But I do truly believe that this is something unique because of the artist behind it and because of the the detail that they kind of went to to ensure that this 
did have some sort of intrinsic value to it. So we'll see. So are you essentially buying it with this, like with the intent to flip it? A hundred percent. I have right. no, have no, I have no in interest in owning a metamoose. I have no interest in owning a piece of art that I can then screenshot and keep forever as well. Like I get, I get people's issue with it. This is not because I want to have an NFT in my portfolio. This is purely right. because I think there's an opportunity to make a couple hundred bucks on. Okay, so I I am listening to the show, and uh, I am an Alexander Rossi fan. And regardless of whether your moose has got an octopus on his face or is dressed in an astronaut uniform, mm. I want to buy the one that's yours because it was yours. Sure. How how do you buy it off of you? Well, you go to what's called OpenSea.io, and it's basically an NFT. It's like Amazon of N NFTs. And, okay. And then I would have to then tell you the number that my new my moose is. And so are they are they all like all pardon numbered. my ignorance, yeah. but I think this is fascinating. Are they all like are all the pictures listed on there? They sure are. They're slowly getting unveiled now. So Okay. But so I can go to the MetaMoose like tag or or whatever yep. tab on OpenSea.io, mm -hmm. see all the different pictures sure. that are in existence. Yep. Does it say who owns it? Like what I or what I just have like to that. know what number it doesn't work okay. like that because that's the whole point of the blockchain, right? It's all kind of encrypted anonymous anonymous yes so when it says um, okay I'm looking now it says traceable. the price is like 0 0.0325 or whatever is that yes that's 0 0.0325 of like an ethereum ETH? token ethereum, or yes okay and there's some that are at 1.5 already um what's an ethereum token worth right now three thousand dollars okay okay so there's some that are already Pretty up cool. there in price yeah um do you want to share what number you are in case somebody wants to come track down your specific moose. Sure. I am I am Metamoose number 16 and 231. 16 and 231. So all right. So yeah, I guess that was my other question because you bought some for other guys. Sure. Were you gonna wait to see they were all unveiled and then tell them which ones they got? No. <laughs> or did you have to like I decide already, the numbers? I already told them in advance, but that <laughs> okay. I mean, if if there's a legendary, they ain't getting it. <laughs> <laughs> have they paid you yet for it? They have. But no. mm, that's where you should you should have held out. You should have held out. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, guys. Um, well, if you want an Alexander de Rossi moose, you now know how to do it. Yes. Uh, and if you don't, if you, then that's also fine. Also fine. If you want an Alexander Rossi hat or t-shirt, you can go to shop.indycar.com or Alexander's personal store, which is at I don't know. But also, guys, if, if, if you're not Rossi. a big fan of mine, which is understandable, but you're a big fan of Connor Daly. Hit him up. He has a moose. Scott Dixon has a moose. Marco Andretti has a moose. Ed Carpenter has a moose. So, guys, there are opportunities to There's buy. There's all over the there place, are, guys. There are moose eye out there. They're available. Moose so, eye. <laughs> so go find I mean, the moose you want. It feels like we need to make a tough dolphin in NFT. Well, I mean, the bet's going to carry you forward to Texas, Tim. I, that, okay, that <laughs> was literally my Texas. next question. Not my problem. Right, You're so gonna hang have on. to what go. Happens if you, no, if he wins, he's the one winning money. He has to come to me. I think that just sounds more reasonable. No, I think you have to go at the same time, just in different places and no, FaceTime each other no, while it gets no, done. Because no, because we need it to be, be the same. It's got to be yeah. done by the same artist. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll fly to you. Whatever. If you're not. All there. Right. Well, now I have to come because I have to witness it. Okay. Oh no! You, can have you just to come win. To LA. Can you just win indie so that way we're all here? Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes, that was the. Yeah, you don't have to ask twice. <laughs> okay. Okay.
Well, on that note, guys, thanks for being here. Um, see you whenever. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Thim. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.